Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined by two of my very cool and handsome co-hosts this week. Nate Heininger. And Shane Scratchy Voice. Yes, and we're all Scratchy Voice here. It's that time of year. I think I'm never going to be well again. And uh, this week we're talking about a game that I've been wanting to cover on this show since it came out early in the year. And something about the game of the year season gave us the kick in the pants that we needed to actually loop back and cover it. And so we're talking about Outer Wilds. Uh, And this is one of the most interesting games I played this year. And I'm super glad to be talking about it with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. This uh, I'm really I know you picked up on it early. Uh, I'm really glad that we we played this. Arguably not a short game. Let's go ahead yeah, and address yeah, that real fast. We should probably fast. put that right out there because, like, there's there's some things about this game. Like, theoretically, if you know what you know, if you know exactly what you plan to do, you could beat the whole game in 20 minutes. But that's not how you're going to be playing this game. Um, how long did uh, this take you guys? Out of out of curiosity. So I played the Epic Game Store version on Windows um, because that was the first version to come out. This game is out on PlayStation 4 now, but it wasn't when I uh, when the game first came out early in the year. And so you had the choice at the time of Xbox One or the Epic Game Store exclusive Windows version. Um, so I played on Windows and uh, I didn't I don't think that that version of the game or the Epic Game Store includes a play clock. Um, if I had to guess. I'd say this game took me somewhere between 15 and 20 hours, which obviously is way longer than what we usually cover on this show. Um, Everything else about this game speaks to our kind of thing. So I really still wanted to cover this on the short game, even though it's not that short by, you know, most standards, although it's not a really long game either. You know, if you're uh, if you're comparing this with the other outer W game of the year, uh, the you know, outer worlds, this is significantly shorter than that. Uh, but it's it's still longer than our typical fare. I think when you when we say the game respects your time, I think mm-hmm. this game absolutely does. It just takes longer to get through. Uh, I I'm sitting somewhere around twelve hours, I believe. I have not finished the game, uh, so we're going to be doing sort of a staggered spoiler break on this episode, uh, which we'll get into uh, in a little bit. But I will also say I am uh, this is the opposite of the last episode, Bleak Sword. I am not great at exploration games. Uh, I am like the least observant person in a 3D world like this. So I think this type of game takes me even longer than it would uh, like the two of you. So I'm not done with it because I've been spending so much time just like retracing my steps and trying to make sure that I've caught everything because I tend to miss stuff. For me, I was absolutely in a position to complete this game before I hit 15 hours. And I did run through and, and go through the ending at that point as soon as I was able to. So for me, I was able to get through it in relatively close to short game territory, but I enjoyed the game so much and I had so many questions at the end that I, I went back and really, um, a hundred percented this game as, or as close to a hundred percented as I usually will get with, with a game. And that took me in the neighborhood of another like five hours. So, um, you know, a little under 20 hours, I, I would think. Yeah, but the game is incredibly generous with, you know, we talk about respecting your time. This game is, you know, is constantly rewarding you for your exploration. Um, and so, yeah, I, I still feel like this is a game that extremely respects your player time. Um, 
let's talk about what kind of game it is. Now, we Nate mentioned that we're going to do a sort of a tiered spoiler break approach to this. This is a essentially a mystery game, right? It is a game about well exploring a, a small solar system and solving several mysteries, specifically sort of what is your place in this world and who came before you and so on. We'll get into more details there in a minute. But the uh, the fact that it is such a mystery means that we want to be very careful about spoilers. There are some things in this game that are big surprises. In fact, there are some things that I found that, you know, many uh, major publications reviews said in the first paragraph or two that I considered a spoiler of something about this game that was meant to be a surprise uh, and isn't mentioned in the like, you know, marketing materials, for example. So we're going to be pretty careful about this. We're going to start by talking about uh, sort of just the general gameplay of how how this thing works and uh, what you're doing in Outer Wilds, which is a little hard to tell if you just like look at a trailer. Um, uh, but we're going to be keeping the actual specifics of things that you discover pretty vague. Uh, then we're going to do a spoiler break like we always do. Um, after that spoiler break, we're going to continue talking about the game, but we're going to talk about some of those sort of early game spoilers that are things that, um, you know, that Nate will have already seen um, that you'll probably have seen already if you've played almost any of the game or at least, you know, for the, the first, uh, say, five hours or so. Um, and then we're going to have a sort of second tier spoiler break and we're going to talk all sorts of details about the solutions and the, you know, the mysterious stuff that we uncovered and the ending of the game and that stuff I would absolutely not listen to if you haven't completed the game. Um, so we'll be doing that sort of two tier approach here. Yeah, I mean, that would basically make it would render playing the game unnecessary. If you, <laughs> I don't uh, know about it, that because it's still <laughs> such a such a wild thing to experience. But um, that's yes. a good point, yeah. and we'll talk about it. But this game is also uh, beautiful and yeah. uh, looks and sounds and feels great too. So you're right. There's there's worth beyond the mystery, but the the driving force of this game is the mystery. What? Why am I here? What am I doing? What am I trying to accomplish? So. Let's start with how this game begins. game begins on a uh, on a planet called Timber Hearth. It looks very Earth-like, uh, but of course, if you start looking around, you you notice immediately the the differences. So, Timber Hearth is a rustic planet. It's covered in uh, sort of pine trees and little brooks, and uh, you're surrounded by uh, other people of your same species. You're playing as a Hearthian, and the Hearthians are these blue aliens. They look very cute. They've got four eyes in a kind of a uh, square configuration on the front of their head. They've got blue skin, pointy ears. Uh, they're real cute. And they live, the entire species presumably, in this one tiny little valley on this tiny little planet, Timberhearth. Uh, and it's basically looks like, a, like a, a species whose entire world is a tiny summer camp. <laughs> and yet, they have a space program. Yes, and it seems like their entire species at this point has moved 
towards space travel as the core of their civilization. There seems to be yes. only 20 or so total, although there are some houses that are closed, so you can assume there's people in there as well. But pretty much anyone and everyone you talk to will either crack some sort of joke because this game is funny also. It is, it is very uh, There's a lot of really funny jokes and a lot of really clever ideas in this game. Or they're going to be talking about the space program. And you look around and there's a big tower. Uh, everything is crafted with like wood and, you know, metal, like holding together the wood. It's very like you said summer camp. I think that's a great, uh, a great analogy. Everything is very much like built out of wood and sort of like high tech, but. I don't know, almost like a Star Wars kind of thing, right? Like where everything is sort of like slapped together using whatever yep. resources is around, but it also is spacefaring. Yeah, yeah, and they're working with what they've got. You know, every every this is a planet with maybe a, a couple hundred trees on it, and uh, you know, so everything's made out of wood and bound together with wire. And uh, uh, one of the things that you'll start seeing as you explore, you mentioned like this whole society is really focused around space travel. And I guess it kind of makes sense because they're on this planet that is so tiny. We're talking about um, kind of Super Mario, almost Super Mario Galaxy levels of of tiny planetness. And um, yeah, what what I, I I want to interrupt for a second. What I love about this is that the the planets are large enough that each one can have a lot of stuff on it by video game standards, but absolutely not by planet standards. So, um, you know, when you're standing on this planet and any of the others that we'll be talking about later, you, you know, it, it looks like you're just standing on a planet, right? But you get, you, you go up a tall tower and not even a particularly tall tower, like a four story tower. And you start seeing the curvature of timber hearth. You know, th this is a planet that like, if you get a fast enough running start and jump in just the right way, you can break orbit. Like it's that <laughs> <Yeah>. tiny. <laughs> For better or yeah. worse. Yeah. Uh, you can also... <laughs> You can also um, circumnavigate an entire most of the planets, you know, Timberhearth. I think it would probably take you about eight minutes to run from one point, circle the entire planet, come back around and be back where you were standing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and one of the things that's that's uh, interesting about Timberhearth is it has this very um, there. Like you said, there's a lot going on on the planet, um, but it also has sort of a strangely um e economical design to it the vast majority of the surface of timber hearth e even being as tiny as it is is nothing but like uh essentially a smooth uh, sphere covered in grass um occasionally broken up by like little little groups of trees um most of the interesting places are in these little valleys like your 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 home um city, the only city uh, of the Harthians. And then there's a lot of other interesting little places. Do we want to talk about some of the interesting places on Timberhearth? Well, yeah, before we before we get into that, because I do want to talk about like some of the interesting details about some of the planets. And um, in this sort of pre-spoiler section, we are going to talk only about things that you can see from space, basically. So we're not going to talk about anything that you have to explore by digging into any of the planets, including Timberhearth. Um, and we're not going to talk about anything that's sort of like hidden in any way. Um, we're going to talk exclusively about stuff that you can see while either floating above or walking on the surface of a planet. Um, yeah. I, and on that, I wanted to say too, like, so it also makes sense that this would be a space faring, uh, civilization because just from the ground looking up, you can see 
almost every other planet oh, yeah. in the solar system and they are dominating in the sky. So yeah. you look up and you're like, there's another planet right there. We should go to there. It's right there, you know, and you can see all of them. And in, in, in a single day, you're orbiting around a sun. There's a huge sun that you're you're a single day is what, like six minutes. So the yeah. sun sets, the sun comes up, the sun sets, the sun comes up. You can just look up into the sky and see this whole solar system of literally so close you can touch it the entire solar system is 33 kilometers across that's how far and there's even some intriguing mystery right from the moment you open your eyes uh next to a campfire you're looking straight up uh the first thing you see in the game is this um is one of the planets the one called um what's what's the giant's deep it's your gas giant um and uh, there's some kind of structure orbiting it that, as you as you're opening your eyes, um, breaks up, shoots out some kind of light, uh, and then kind of separates into some pieces and starts orbiting around. So, so you you immediately like, oh, what was that? You know, maybe I, yeah. I'll go up there and find out. Yeah, and it's your first day as an astronaut, so uh, the first thing you have to do is explore your town on Timberhearth um, because you need to take off, but you don't have basically the keys to your spaceship in order to do that. It's your first day as a, as an astronaut. You need the launch so, codes. So you need to go uh, around the town, talking to everybody, uh, and climbing up to sort of the peak of the town uh, in order to speak to somebody uh, who has those launch codes in order to go back and uh, and launch the, uh, the spaceship. Um, and I really, really love this introduction. I love the way this introduces you to the world of the of the game because you have to sort of you have to navigate the entire town in order to get to the guy with the launch codes, right? And that means you have an opportunity to talk to every NPC, uh, basically every living Harthian of your species, right? Um, and at the top, uh, well, and along the way, it sort of teaches you the history of your species. Uh, there is a little sort of museum near the base where they have all of the different uh, stuff celebrating the history of Outer Wilds Ventures, the space uh, uh, agency, I guess, of the Harthians, and uh, talking about all of the brave people that went before you and you know, flinging themselves off of this tiny planet and onto other tiny planets around your solar system. Uh, and then their, you, their space agency literally started with people like taking running jumps. It did. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cute. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. And then you get up to the top and they have an, they have a tiny museum featuring details about the solar system, all of which are really cool and evocative. So, um, I mean, we, I don't think it's spoilery to talk about anything that happens in that sort of like first 30 minutes on Timberhearth. We can talk about the contents of the museum, which is all sort of there as come-ons to tell you like what sort of things you ought to be exploring or looking for in, in your travels. Um, and the big one is that there was another species in your solar system before you called the Nomai, uh, and they left a bunch of interesting artifacts all around your solar system. They were clearly way more technologically advanced than the Harthians. Um, they, unlike the Harthians, were like two-eyed, weird-looking goat people. There's a statue of one of them. And uh, these fuzzy goat people had super advanced tech, and there's all sorts of weird stuff they left all over the solar system. And no one knows where they came from, where they went, why there aren't any more of them around now. Um, and so that's one of the big central mysteries of this game is exploring the solar system to try and find out what happened to the Nomai that came before you in the solar system. Yeah, it kind of, I think they make some some comparisons to like how we are with dinosaurs on Earth where they're like, this new statue, it it makes us think they had fur 
fur. Can you believe it? I love that. We, we never we, we never thought they had fur until this statue. Uh, so it, it's very funny. Everyone is mystified by these creatures. Uh, and it really does set up early that like, okay, there's definitely something interesting and complex going on in this solar system. Also, I wanted to say along along the way, uh, they do some really clever ways to teach you the mechanics of the game before you really get into any sort of environment that might be more challenging. Uh, there is a zero gravity cave that uh, they imply someone in there needs help or could use some help. You don't have to, but if you could, before you launch off, it would be cool if you went and helped. So it's like, of course, I'm going to do that. It's a video game and they're giving me a little <laughs> quest, right? Totally. So you, you go and you learn how to use the jetpack. You go into this zero gravity space and you have to make repairs on uh, what they're calling a satellite down in this cave. Uh, and it teaches you some of the mechanics in a really controlled and easy space. You learn how to fly around. There's also a little area where someone is testing out a new um, little scout, which is controlled in a similar way to how the spaceship is controlled. You're just not in it. So it teaches you sort of how rocket thrusters work. And uh, it's all very fun and very lightweight, which helps prepare you for whenever you do eventually go flying. Yeah, I loved this sort of initial exploration of the of the planet. And you're right, it does a great job of tutorializing things. And apart from needing to go talk to somebody to get the uh, get the um, the launch codes for your spaceship, uh, what I think is really interesting about this game is that it gives you all of the tools that you will need to explore the solar system immediately. It does not like dole out these devices and stuff as you go. And so let's talk about some of the different tools that you have at your disposal as a Harthian astronaut. Yeah, there are no. Uh unlike I think almost every other game that has a spaceship and exploring, there's no upgrades. You're not changing your ship, adding like new rocket thrusters or whatever. You are in the same thing from uh, right out of the gates. You get everything. Uh, I think the first biggest tool would be the signal scope. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. Uh, so they do this, this game is just full of such unique flavor. So all of the astronauts, play a particular instrument. Yes, before they all started going off to explore the solar system, they had a kind of a band and they would sit around a campfire and play music together. Isn't that charming? <laughs> yeah, there's a big painting of them all together. Yeah, it's adorable. And this signal scope, if pointed in the direction of the of someone playing that music, will pick it up and will basically it's like a divining rod for these astronauts playing their instrument. Yeah, I, know, so I don't know you, if we really mentioned, but there are, you know, you're, you're one in a sort of a long line of these astronauts is a bit about, I mean, long line for one of, for, you know, for this species where it seems like about half of the species are astronauts and they are all out in the, the solar system on all the various different planets. Essentially, each planet has one of these guys on it for you to find, kind of to uh, get the band back together in a sense. Yeah, and so, you know, there's a guy who plays the banjo and you can stand on, uh, you can, you know, get up on a hill or something where you can just look into space, see a planet, point your signal scope at it, and it will, you'll start hearing the music. And you could then theoretically just like go in that direction at the music and you will find that guy playing it. Uh, it's it's a really unique and clever way to add some some guidance in a game that is otherwise just go and explore. 
Yeah. And I mean, we'll talk about this with some of the other tools, but like every single one of the tools that it gives you is multi-purpose. So it finds other ways to use things like that signal scope later on that are really clever. And I really appreciated how versatile the tools were. The next big tool that you have to learn how to use, and I thought this one was a little more confusing at first, was the little scout. Mm-hmm. Dude, terrific tool. Oh, I know. It's it's probably the like one of the smartest inclusions in the game. And I wonder how, uh, yeah. how much like play testing it took to kind of perfect this thing. Uh, she, do you want to explain yeah, no, no. it? So the, the little scout is a, um, well, you get this launching device. That's like a, a slingshot slash gun, uh, that fires off a probe. And, um, it really is multifunction. Um, if you fire off the probe, which you can just sort of point and, and click and, shoot this thing off and it'll, it'll go off in some direction. Uh, you can then hit a button and then it will snap a little black and white photograph of what the probe is seeing and send it back to you. And if you really spam that button, you can kind of get close to like a video out of the probe. Uh, you can also um, get a rear view from the probe or if the probe has landed, you can rotate its camera around and, and get a view of any direction. Which is super great because like you can you can send this thing pretty far and get a view of some place that you might not be able to access yet. And that's a really good way to explore, you know, and it's also faster than exploring on foot because you can launch this thing pretty fast. It also acts as a light source. Uh, mm. And there's a lot of times in the game where you'll want to just drop the probe um, to produce some light. You you do have a light on your suit, uh, but being able to kind of put a light anywhere you want is very useful. And you can recall the probe teleporting it back into your launcher uh, at any time. And there's this sort of recall teleport technology, which all these little kind of cool pieces of tech, it's very uh, interestingly revealed somewhere in the world that like, okay, this is all stuff that we, the astronauts have recovered from the Nomize technology. Yeah, pretty much everything is, every all the actual tech that you use is sort of, it makes sense, right? Because these are, these are basically like, uh, fish people living in a colony of about a hundred dudes on a tiny, tiny planet. Uh, they, you know, where did they develop all of this technology? Like these like space thrusters and stuff. Well, pretty much all of that is scavenged from the Nomai. Um, and yeah, the, the little scout is super, super versatile. The other thing that I really, really like about it is that you can track the location of the probe. And so there are many times in this game where you might see something in the distance or whatever that you want to get to later, but you can't get to it from where you're standing. But by firing one of the probes at it, that sort of tags it as a location that you can try and navigate to more easily. You can kind of see where that probe is located, even if you're, even if it's, you know, uh, out of out of uh, your your range of vision or whatever. Yeah, that's absolutely probably the most important feature. I, I don't think I mentioned about the probe is that it, it has this homing beacon, and you're if you're wearing your spacesuit, you're always able to look around and see the location and distance of the probe, yeah. no matter where. And it we is. didn't, I don't think mention that this game is all taking place in first person. So all of these tools are really great. Like you, you uh, as first person sort of, uh, first person in game or in world uh, ways of letting you do things that if this game were more abstracted, say a, I don't know, top down or third person perspective and had a bunch of like UI, uh, uh, that you do with a menu, right? Like you could tag an object and say, track this object or something. But this game doesn't do that. It does have some elements like that, like your ship's computer, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But but making all of those features, like 
tagging an object, be an actual physical thing that you do in the world by firing a probe at it, that just made it so much more fun and immersive. And have not just like a kind of realistic looking tech, but also a history in the world that gets explained. Like, how do these fish people have the ability to create a teleporting probe? Well, it turns out that they salvaged it from this ancient alien race yeah. called the Nomai. And here's where they did it. And here's who. And did I mean, it. if you go down enough of these rabbit holes, you 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 know, it eventually starts hand waving. Right. But because this is not like hard, hard, hard sci fi. This is this is still oh, cute, no. fun, funny and and what have you. But it takes its setting seriously enough to try to give you something to hang these things on. Any question that you decide to pursue, there's probably an answer in this game. And that is one of the things I love about it. This, if you're like, well, I want to learn about the history of the Harthians. There's a lot you could find there. If you want to learn about the Nomai or about this space program or about all the many things that you'll find out in the solar system that we haven't discussed yet, won't till after the spoiler break, you can really dig down and find information and, and learn, uh, and it's all very satisfying. Yeah, I, I think the last tool, uh, at least you have with you at all times, is your spacesuit itself, mm, yes. is, uh, I, I think, would be a tool. So, uh, one, Don't it allows forget to you put to it breathe. On. You have to put it on. It's in your ship. <laughs> so many times to, I forgot to put it on. You have to put it on. Uh, <laughs> don't forget to put it on. Uh, you have to put on your, sh- your suit, and then it has uh, an oxygen tank, which depletes relatively slowly when you're in a non-oxygenated environment and it also has a jetpack and that Sweet. allows you gives you a ton of freedom for exploring because also gravity is different on different planets and sometimes you can just jump really high but sometimes you need a little bit of a boost or you see something that you want to get to and you can get a little bit of a boost uh, and it's really, really helpful. Yeah, you're extremely mobile in this game, not just in terms of like, I can uh, hop in my spaceship and get to another planet within a minute, um, but also in the sense that like you can do these massive jumps or you can use your rockets to propel yourself along causeways faster and things like that. Like you, there's lots yeah. of ways that this game makes you able to um, become very mobile and that helps with the exploring your, your exploring never feels bogged down because you're always able to just like, you know, jump into your, uh, spaceship and take off and be across the solar system in a minute or two. Yeah. For, for me, that reminded me of no man's sky a lot. Um, yeah. the, the flying and just the ability to jump in your spaceship and take off and land on another planet. Um, I mean, it's not it's not quite analogous to No Man's Sky, but it really it really feels um, similar in a lot of ways. And I really like that style of gameplay. I love I love exploration and I love space exploration in particular as gameplay. Yeah, that wow moment of No Man's Sky being on the surface of a planet, looking into the sky, seeing another planet, being able to get in your ship and fly directly to that planet and land on the surface of that planet with no uh, loading or anything uh, is which was I you know which felt so awesome in No Man's Sky is the same here just on a lot smaller scale you 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 don't fly as far as you do in No Man's Sky you know these planets are not that far away from each other they it takes like a second I, I before we jump to the next topic I just want to add one little detail that I I actually really loved uh, when talking about jumping. Uh, if you're not in your spacesuit and you want to jump, you're, when you hit X, at least on a PS4 controller, your character 
crouches down. And then when you let go of X is when you jump. And I just feel like you never really feel that in first person games that your character actually has to like bend down to jump, you know, actually like bend their <laughs> knees. You're normally just like, you're just flat and then you just jump at <clears throat> this game. It's just really evocative to imagine these w- weird little, you know, as you call them like fish creatures, they have to like actually bend almost halfway down to jump and you really only jump without your spacesuit like a couple feet in the air. And I just love that little detail. Yeah. I, I, yeah, there's so much. So we were just talking about like the, the jump in the spaceship and go kind of stuff. I want to talk about some of the specifics about the spaceship itself because I think it's, it's so charming and it's so fun to fly. And there's so many cool things in it, like the computer are, are like just absolutely revolutionary. So I want to talk a little bit about everything about the spaceship and how cool it is. Um, and again, I think we're not in spoiler territory here because, again, this is stuff that you will experience within easily the first 20 or 30 minutes of the game. Um, but the uh, the spaceship is this incredibly uh, – you know what it reminded me of is um, – <laughs> Did you ever see like there was a movie? I think it was from the like late '80s or early '90s. I think it was called The Explorers, and it was like a it was like a like a you know crappy Disney live action movie about a bunch of kids who build a, a spaceship powered by like I don't know like an Apple II, and they they like take off in it or something. No, but excuse that me, is, that movie is not crappy. Okay. That sounds exactly like what you do in this video it's game. Though. Very much like that. Your spaceship is. Basically, it looks a little bit like like a like a real lunar lander. You know, it's kind of kind of a um, like a pod with uh, sort of a superstructure of little uh, strut like leg supports, um, and then it's got uh, jets that can point off of it in any direction. And in terms of flying it, um, the flying is probably the thing that a lot of people seem to have the most a hard time with in this game. And I found getting used to being able to fly the spaceship one of the most fun things about this game. Um, the uh, the spaceship has you basically just like you have like a thrust button that causes your spaceship to go right, um, but it can fire its thrusters in any directions in, in any direction. So once you're out of an atmosphere and not being uh, not subject to gravity, um, your spaceship can move in any direction and rotate in any direction in a way that feels very um, almost FPS. Like it's kind of strange, but like I realized when I was first took off, I was like, oh, I can like circle strafe around planets in this spaceship like (laughs) it's very strange controls but they're really fun and rewarding to use um yeah this this is where the game also started to feel to me a little kerbal space programming yeah uh which i think is a compliment because i love that game but there are times where you are just like i don't know as you're getting better at the ship I felt like there were times that I was losing complete control and it was more just like panic controlling to try to not crash uh, and sort of sort of missing where I was trying to land by by a, you know, a mile. And that ends up flinging me back into space and into the orbit of another planet because they're all so close. Uh, There's there's a really wacky element of it as well as I never really got good at landing. (laughs) And so. I have the same strategy of landing on this game, which is how I accomplished my first lunar landing on the in Kerbal, which is basically get as close as you can and then just get out of the ship and, <laughs> and, and kind of like jetpack down uh, and hope that my ship lands 
intact around me <laughs> in Kerbal, my first ever moon landing. Uh, the ship didn't survive, but my Kerbal survived. Uh, and that was quite an accomplishment. And that's how I kind of managed this entire game too: was get close, bail and try to land. And for the most part, I was pretty successful. <laughs> so the, the, the ship has an autopilot that I think is very good at teaching you how to fly the ship. Because it does some things, it, the autopilot is very dumb. For example, if you tell it to fly you to a planet and there is a sun in the way, it will fly you into the sun. No problem. Uh, it's really just sort of a straight line autopilot. But what the autopilot does do uh, is it short, sort of shows you how to manage speed and thrust in this game. So in a very space-like way, uh, you're, you're, uh, you know, when you're flying from place to place, step one is to sort of equalize your momentum with the thing that you're flying towards, right? So um, it will like try and look at how fast the other, what direction the other planet that you're trying to go to is moving, and it will try to match speed and velocity with that other planet. And then it will accelerate you towards the other planet. And then about halfway through that flight, it will start breaking because you, you don't want to accelerate the whole way there. Or when you get to the planet you're going to, you will be going very, very, very fast. Um, and that process, either doing it manually or using the autopilot was always kind of fun, you know, and it was also also always a very short flight. Like I said, 33 kilometers across this whole space, uh, solar system. So, um, really fast, little short flights, super fun to do. Um, and, uh, the landing is also really neat. Uh, Nate, were you using the landing camera? I was, I, I tried using the landing camera. Uh, and I, I, I don't know. I just really, I never really mastered it. Like I think it's possible to master. I'm oh, assuming it is. I got pretty good with yeah. the landing camera. Like if you do need to land the ship, yeah. um, the, the tricky thing about the ship in its regular mode is that your, uh, you know, your cockpit, uh, which is made out of glass is the front of the ship. And if you say like, go forward, uh, you are, uh, going to crash your face into the planet. Um, but, uh, mm -hmm. if you switch to the landing camera, um, it switches the thrust controls so that they basically are towards the planet or away from the planet, no matter what orientation your ship is in. And it will sort of automatically yep. orient your ship with the bottom where the landing camera is pointing towards the planet. So that makes it pretty easy. Important thing here is like, there's this button, uh, there's this, there's a couple of buttons that are part of both space flight and using your suit. Uh, one is you can click and I'm played on the PS4, but you can click your stick to highlight any kind of body in the solar system, whether you, large or small, uh, but say it's a planet and it will highlight it and tell you how far it is and so on. And then there's another button that equalizes your momentum with it. So if you're floating out in space, like maybe next to something that you're inspecting, hitting this button will bring you essentially to a stop. Although everything in the solar system is in constant motion, it'll bring you in a to a stop related to the thing you've highlighted. And, um, that makes, once you get used to that, that makes like landing on planets easier, but it also makes like everything you do in zero G easier, uh, because you're not constantly fighting your own velocity. You can always hit this button and slow down to a stop. Yeah. You make it sound really easy, Shane, <laughs> when you put it, when you put it that way, you know, you just press this button, but when you're, you know, when you're out there, you know, and you're going at, you know, 100 kilometers a second, 
you know, it's usually easier just to unbuckle and jump out the hatch than <laughs> uh, than actually try to land the ship. Uh, you and I have different approaches, Nate, but I respect <laughs> it. I respect it. Hey, I said at the top of the show, I'm not great at these games, but uh, you know what? I have a good time, and that's what's most important. And it really does support that sort of wild, goofy <laughs> play with this, too. It's really kind of designed around that approach, too. Um, and I, I definitely played that way a lot until I figured out how to use everything. Well, well I'm, at, I'm at like 12 hours, so I've got – you were at 20, so I've got another eight hours to maybe get to the level yeah. that you were at. You'll get it. And, and these kind of simulationist elements are something that I absolutely loved about this game. This game, fundamentally, this is a game about exploration, and we play a lot of games like that on this show. Um, and a lot of the ones that we play kind of fall into this sort of walking simulator kind of exploration where you are walking around and exploring a space on foot. Um, but the actual, but it's the story that you're interested in, right? And that's also true here. But here, the actual mechanics of exploring um, and some of the kind of puzzles that are related to that, and really just a lot of the pure movement has a level of mechanical interest and complexity to it that isn't present in a lot of the kinds of games that we play here. This has that kind of um, um, environmental storytelling element that you know we wind up talking about a lot because it's in the, a lot of the kinds of games we enjoy. So you're you're absolutely going to be finding a lot of skeletons. Uh, I didn't find any of them on the toilet, but you'll find them doing almost anything else. That's a little in in joke. Uh, but the, the so that exploration usually comes as a reward for some kind of challenging kind of movement problem or or traversal problem, uh, and whether or just that's timing just like landing problem. on a or what or just timing problems. Or resource management, you know, you've got your your oxygen and things like that. So um, there's a lot of systems that are coming together um, to give you this exploration experience and uh, fighting with those or um, exploiting those. Oh, and not to mention things like, you know, your probe and your signal scope and things like that. All of these different, There's a, this is a systems heavy exploration game um, that isn't and I, I I have played systems heavy exploration games, but every system systems heavy exploration game I've ever played was a survival game, and this is not. So, in fact, quite the opposite. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Easy to it's die. A, it's a we'll game talk where about you will that die later. frequently. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So, Shana, I definitely think you're right about all of that. What I think is sort of interesting about this game is that it. I mean, I can think of two games that for me, sort of redefined what exploration means in a video game. And there's this one and Breath of the Wild. Like, both of those changed, changed the, like, changed what exploring a space means in such a way, like, this is, and they're two, two very different ways, but, like, you're right, Shane, this is, this is a game about, like, rewarding exploration, but that doesn't just mean, like, I'm going to walk around each of these spaces and pick up a bunch of objects and, and read some text about them or whatever. It means that, uh, that every one of these places is full of complexity. I wouldn't, I, you know, yes, they're puzzles, but they don't feel like here's a puzzle to solve. Or, you know, you're not like finding a, a puzzle room. It's all about just sort of the puzzle is figuring out how these planets work and figuring out just details about how 
how things are connected and and spaces and things and and exploring spaces is always rewarded by by finding some new detail about the past or or solution to you know the mysteries of the solar system. Yeah, I, I'd also add that I think one of the ways this game is most successful too is that I think most of the games that we have talked about as far as exploration and Breath of the Wild does the same as this is that you're really just following a path that has been pretty obscured by the developers, but they, they give you hints along the way on how to follow it. Right. Mm -hmm. There's ultimately like an ideal route. You might not do exactly what the developers asked you wanted you to do, but you're probably going to have a relatively same experience as almost everyone who plays the game. This game, however, gives no pressure to go in any one direction than any other. Yeah, there are, what is it? How many planets are there? Um, Six or seven. Yeah, and there's no, there's no like person back at home base saying, hey, maybe the first place you should land should be X or Y, right? There's there's no pressure to go in any particular, to go, to go towards any particular planet. And there's nothing stopping you from more or less fully exploring the mysteries of any one planet when you get yeah. there. Um, it, it's, it's very nonlinear in that way. Yeah, they they there will be people who will discuss planets, but even at the beginning, they're like, hey, you know, we think this person's out at this planet. So you could go, you know, you might go talk to them while you're out on your journey. And then they're like, oh, and there's also this one planet that no one's ever even been to. So maybe you'll be the first to go to it. And they just drop hints about like the style of these different planets. But there is no pressure or no guidance, really. Like if even if you wanted to know, like, what's the first one I should go to? There is no answer to that because it doesn't really matter what order you go in. I think it's worth mentioning here. We haven't really talked about the ship's computer. Oh, because um, we're talking a lot about like the the fact that the game has no waypointing or, or any 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 uh, quest giver telling you what to do. Uh, but what the game does have is a really excellent computer that you can get on in your ship that will list everything you know about everywhere you've been. And it gives you that information in a couple of different ways. The most useful is as a um, kind of grid of different places uh, that you can kind of select to see all the details. And they're all connected by kind of logic lines, right? Things that you might know about. And so there's oftentimes lots of places that you will know exist because you have read something on a wall somewhere. And that will now show up in your... Um, that will now show up in your system's computer. And so you can easily jump back in where you left off in terms of following up on plot threads or on like various different things that you've learned. So, so that's incredibly important about how this game works. And um, my, my advice to anyone playing this game is check the computer almost every time you get in and out of the ship. Yeah, this is the most, this is like one of the, the most incredible pieces of UI I've seen in a video game in years. The, the the feature is called the rumor mode. Rumor mode on your ship's computer. Um, it it resembles a sort of a, a like a high tech like a mind map or maybe a high tech version of one of those crazy people conspiracy theory walls where they've got the the string <laughs> you know between yeah. all of the different elements. Uh, except it puts up those cards and draws those strings in for you because as you discover things in the world, um, it fills things in and every every sort of idea place concept gets a card 
on that wall. And uh, each one of them, it will kind of give you bullet points of what you should remember about that thing. Um, and it will also show something that says maybe there's more to discover here, indicating like we need to go back and continue exploring that space. Or it might, uh, when it first shows up, it has a question mark. Once you've discovered everything there is to know, or the, the game thinks you have discovered everything there is to know about that space and filled in all of its little bullet pointy important fact details about it, it changes from a question mark to just a picture of that space, um, which makes it easy to remember, oh, that's what that was. I remember that picture. Um, and uh, yeah, when you're, so I took a long gap in playing this game, which I don't recommend. I would play through all of it all at once if you can, but um, you know, for a variety of reasons related to just, you know, living my life. Um, I played most of this game uh, months and months ago, back when uh, it first came out. And then I stopped playing it for a good while. And then I picked it up and finished it only here recently. Um, but being able to go back to that rumor mode and look at sort of a mind map of everything that I had uh, discovered up to that point was so important to being able to jump back in, even just between one game session and another. But even coming back to it months later, uh, I was able to like look at that and be like, oh, okay, I remember kind of what I was wondering about. What were the questions that I, the player, had? What are the questions that are on the board here? And it reminded me, okay, well, the places I probably need to go and spend some more time exploring are this, this, and this. Let me pick one of those and start exploring again. So good. One of the best pieces of UI I've seen in a video game. Just really, really, really good. Yeah, this game would be impossible without at least something like this. And I think they kind of nailed it. Yeah, they really did. There's so much, so much like complex interconnected stuff, you know, like there might be a detail that you learn on one planet that means that you can unlock something or explore a space that you weren't able to explore before on a different planet. Um, and it'll always put both of those on the map for you on the mind map and draw a little line between them to remind you of the connection. Uh, so important. So here we are, we've done our best to kind of sell you on the game and tell you a little bit about how it works and why it is an absolutely astonishing piece of exploration-based game design. Um, and we've managed- Why we're making an exception for it and covering a game that probably is too long for this. Yeah. Um, and yet we've, we've managed, I think- to keep the spoiler content extremely low. All we've really talked about is the home planet that you start on uh, and not even all the deep details of that. And we've only really talked about like one or two of the other planets only by name. So um, we are going to now lead into a spoiler break. Uh, the first of two spoiler breaks in this episode, like I mentioned at the top. So uh, Nate's gonna stick around for this one and we're gonna talk about some of the details of the game that we considered things that you might want to discover for yourself. So um, if you haven't played the game at all, or if maybe you need a little more detail about it before you decide whether you want to spend your time on it, uh, stick around after this first spoiler break. We're going to have a second spoiler break a little later where I think Nate is going to jump off the call and Shane and I are going to talk about the ending and some of the uh, solutions to some of the mysteries and other sort of spoiler casts. If you're stuff. jumping off right now, um, I think it's also important that you hear that this game had one of my favorite endings of any video game I've ever played. Oh, it's a really, really good ending. Yeah, like no question. Great ending. And it, it seemed like, honestly, when I first started this game, I thought like, does this game even have an ending? It just seems like this aimless exploration where I'm just going to like check out all these places in the solar system. How, how does a game like this end? Well, the fact is that this game has a kind of a culmination that leads to a I thought really exciting, 
interesting, moving ending that absolutely one of the best and and easily one of the best video game endings I've seen this year. And, um, you know, probably makes a makes a, a, a list for for best video game endings I've played. I, I thought it was a really good ending. So um, having said all of that, uh, here it is your first spoiler break. So I went into this game like I do for every game that we cover for the show, completely blind. I, I try not to read anything. I just try to like play the game as a, you know, I like to think as like the developers intended, right? I had no idea what I was getting into when I purchased this game, did all the stuff that we just talked about exploring the home planet, uh, finally getting the launch codes, finally getting my ship up into space. It was beautiful. I'm like, okay, where am I going to go? For the first time, I decided to go to Giant's Deep for the first time. I'm firing the the rockets. I, I didn't want to use autopilot because you know I can I can fly this ship. That'll be <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna need to learn how to fly this ship. So uh, I'm not gonna start out with autopilot. And I promptly flew myself into the sun. Uh, <laughs> and I <laughs> and you know it like the screen. It's like pretty terrifying right and Mm -hmm. uh the sound is getting louder it's getting brighter and then it just boom and you're dead and i'm like shit (laughs) i I, one did not know i guess i could have assumed but i did not expect like death to necessarily be a part of this game in this way uh and so i was like oh shit i died oh crap um well i hope i don't have to do all that again i hope that you know, maybe I'll be like, it'll start me out before I started my descent. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I was just thinking, like, where was the last save state, right? Where am I going to pick back up? And then it goes to this little cut scene where I see, like, a quick cut of all of the things that I had just done. And you wake back up in the moment that you started the game. And I was like, oh, okay this is (laughs) totally something different than i was expecting and you look down in the bottom left hand and you can see that you've already acquired the launch codes so you have retained the knowledge that you uh, had it's a really clever way of, of indicating that you've retained what you learned in your last playthrough but you are back at the moment uh, that you started the game, and you can go talk like, to that first Groundhog who, it, it is Groundhog Day, and you can go it talk to that first uh, Harthian who's sitting at the campfire with you, and you can tell him something like, "I just died." And he's like, "What are you talking about? You're crazy." Um, yeah, it, it, yeah. There's uh, and like every once in a while, new things will get added to what you can say to the guy based off of like things that have happened to you. So like, uh, auto, like you mentioned before the. Spoiler break, it says autopilot flew me into the sun is something that you can, <laughs> you can say to him uh-huh. if autopilot has flown you into the sun. Uh, so I, I just that was such an astounding moment. I, I did not expect that at all uh, for it to be like a gameplay element that you're dying. I'm really glad that you got that surprise. I did not because so many of the um, of the uh, reviews of this game that came out uh, even when it was very new, uh, specifically mention this, they say, oh, you know, this game is, uh, you know, Super Mario Galaxy meets Groundhog Day or some 
facile comparison. It means like Kerbal that. Space Kerbal Space right. Program. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, even the Wikipedia article on this game mentions the the twenty two minute loop that you are stuck in in this game uh, in the first sentence of the article. I didn't hit that. 22 minute mark for many of my first oh, deaths because oh, I it's so me. easy to die in lots of different ways yeah. in fact the first time i died in this game i actually hadn't gotten into the ship yet huh. i think i wandered into some of that unstable uh ghost matter yeah and um uh, just died that way and if you die without having gotten to the um gotten to the statue and had the thing where the statue like syncs up with your memories it just rolls credits right there. It gives you the full on like ending. It's like, oh, <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. And there's actually several ways in the game uh, that we won't talk about the I, I won't get into this till we get into some of the puzzles. But there's several ways in this game um, that you can die in a way that uh, the that you don't tech loop. that is yeah. looping your looping your your memories uh, won't won't save you. And if you get hit any of those, like it's like, oh. Roll credits. Yep. That's it. Yep. And then the then he's got all, you've got to choose a load last save option rather than continue yep. adventure option. For That's the funny. I I didn't run into any of that. I've only died, I guess, in uh in in natural ways. Though I definitely died to some ghost matter on Giants Deep. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't I haven't gone back to explore that area yet. But uh, the ghost matter is a really interesting mystery. Yeah. I, I I did at one point disable the device that was storing my memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then died while trying to do something, and and it was like, oh yeah, now you're really dead. <laughs> yep. Nice work. Yep. Nice work. I did that too. I'm afraid <laughs> that was very. Easy. Wait, that's a challenging that's... moment. Um, well, that's a spoiler too that we won't get into. Um. So there's a uh, so, yeah, the the 22 minute loop is a really clever part of this game because I think it it really encourages that exploration because, you know, that you're you know, you don't have to carefully manage your fuel or whatever. Going on a kamikaze run, if there's something to learn at the end of it is a absolute win, right? You can go deep into the planet or, you know, into the the place that seems like you'll never be able to return from it alive or you can wreck your ship on a planet and go check something <laughs> or out. Or you can die yeah, you can dive out of your ship uh instead of landing it perfectly because it probably I'm not going to make it back to my ship anyway. Right. Yeah. So so I loved that about it. This is this resetting loop. And it's it's also such an interesting part of the mystery of the game. Like, you know, just telling me like you're exploring a solar system in order to find out uh, who came before you. That's cool, but it's also not urgent. Why am I dying every half an hour? That's an urgent mystery to explore and is so cool to, to think about. Well, and also, so the 22 minute loop is because the sun supernovas at 22 minutes right. and destroys the entire galaxy. So well, or entire solar system, solar system, yeah. solar system. <laughs> so thank you. Sorry. Yeah, uh, so um, <laughs> so uh, you, you, you know, also in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, can I stop this somehow? Mm-hmm. You know, there's that's got to be that's really got to be the core. That's really got to be the big thing. Yeah. Like, right? how do you or, save your planet and the other people yeah. on it from this sun going supernova? That's another because like uh, important another, mystery of the of the game. Well, it's, it's the most important. It doesn't matter if you figure out who the Nomai are. If 18 minutes after you figure out who they are, the whole galaxy, damn it, the whole solar system is going to be. Uh, destroyed so I, I know I'm not at the end of the game yet but like and you don't interact with that uh, the sun exploding 
uh, too much other than just being murdered by it over and over and over. It's got to be a core part of it. You got to got to get past it somehow. Yeah, so. it's really, really it's such a cool gameplay idea. And I mean, they, they did a good job of like not putting that front and center in the uh, advertising. Um, I guess kind of knowing that like that will get talked it's about. It's your first big wow. It is your first big wow, though. And it sounds like yeah. Nate had a big wow of that. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that you did, Nate. I, I I had heard about that already. And even though I knew it, it was still super creepy and cool, right? I think for me, the yeah. my first flight was I got on the spaceship after doing all the exploration. I flew to the moon, which is obviously the close. There's a, there's a small moon that orbits Timberhearth. And I flew there. Um, cause I thought, you know, well, where, where should I explore first? Obviously, you know, one small step. Right. Um, and I met up nice. with the, with the one guy who's, uh, who's hanging out there on the moon. He's whistling. Yeah. And, uh, the moon is nicely set up to be a good place to go first because there's, uh, there's, you know, he suggests that you go up to this sort of hill that he has up on the moon, um, which is a good place to use the signal scope from. And you can use it to kind of like find a lot of the different, uh, places that your other, uh, you know, dudes are using the signal scope, uh, and kind of like leads you towards wanting to explore more. And then right as I was standing in that spot, using the signal scope to kind of like scope out the universe, I was like, is the sun getting redder? <laughs> What's going on with that? Yeah. It starts, <laughs> oh, it funny. starts changing color. And then it actually, the soundtrack changes ah, to give so this good. little sort of mournful tone. And I got to the point where I was like that, bit of soundtrack change uh, would always really stress me out if I had anything left I wanted to get done. Yeah. Because it'd be like, oh, no, I've got like, I've got like a minute. I got like a minute before the sun explodes. Okay, read, read quick. Yeah. You don't have a, you don't have a, a wristwatch on your stupid spacesuit. Like, I really wish I had like a, just a, a timer or something. <laughs> you only really get to know like what's going on if you yeah. and Another thing, since sun. we're talking about this loop, so, something that's really key to the game is that uh, this is a set of worlds that are all changing over time. Yes, also in super some way. important. We were going to talk about these, about these, about these planets and what you could see from space. Some of them are changing in extremely dramatic ways. Like for example, there's a set of planets that's a, a a pair of planets that are orbiting one another called the Ash Twin and the Ember Twin. And at the start of the loop, um, there's a bunch of sand or I guess ash on this planet called the Ash Twin. And then as they orbit each other, gravity starts to pull the sand or ash from that planet onto the other planet. And so that over time, that exposes some things on one planet and buries some things on another. And as you go through these loops, there are places that you're going to only be accessible at the start of the loop or the end of the loop. And there's also because all these planets are in motion and in orbit of one another, there are there are things where, um, you know, maybe the positioning of the planet matters, or you know, if you're if you're riding a comet, like where is that comet going to go? Like there's there's mm. a there's a there's a comet you can ride that happens to take a real close shot past the sun that can kill you, and uh, and 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 some some other stuff like that. So that's a huge key piece of the game, um, and it's really unique and like working around. That and learning not just these environments, but how they change over the course of this 22 minute loop is really neat. It really, really is. And you, there's there's so many places in the game where like 
like, okay, I, I'm going to give you a, a small example that I'm going to try to obfuscate as, uh, as best I can. Um, but like, okay, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to come up with some sort of fake details to fill in here to kind of give you a, a sense without trying to spoil a puzzle, but like, okay, so there's a, uh, there's a door that I want to get through. Right. And there is, uh, let's say, uh, let's say that there's water around us. Right. And if the room is fully submerged, I can't go through it in order to get through where I, where, to where I need to go. But if the room is entirely empty, then I can't reach what I need to reach. Well, maybe I need to wait for just the right moment for that water to be at the right level in order for me to get through a particular passageway. That's not an actual example from the game. That is one that I'm inventing as a, as a kind of a, a fake out to kind of give you an idea of the kind of thing that we, we'd be talking about here. So maybe I need to go to that planet, get in position, wait for that water to rise, and take that that specific moment before it rises all the way, but but you know, uh, but bef- but after it's risen enough uh, to get through that door, um, or to you know unlock something or what have you. That's the kind of thing that we're talking about here. There's a lot of places in the game like that, and um, one of the best things that that uh, Shane said to me while I was stuck on a particular puzzle was just like, every time you're stuck in this game, think about like. Is there something about this particular spot that changes over time? And if there is, try to think about where you can be at the, you know, if there's a place, way to be in that space at the right time over that, the course of that 22 minute loop in order to take advantage of that change. Yeah, there are some, uh, sometimes your best next step is to fly into the sun and start over (laughs) and get there at the right moment. Uh, there are times like on Giants Deep with the storm where it becomes almost like incomprehensible what's happening to you when a storm gets over top of you. But I was like, this must mean something. There must have to use these to some degree. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yep. There's obviously some things that I have to figure out still. Um, but yeah, it, it's a really interesting and really cool mechanic. And it just takes time and effort to visit all of these places at different times and and almost like catalog what happens and it's all to solve stuff that you're slowly putting together anyway you know like i'm rarely at least to my experience so far it's rarely have i been like i'm gonna go to this area to try to learn this one thing it's more like i'm gonna go to this area because i haven't been here i'm gonna see what i learn and how that ties into what i already know Mm -hmm. every once in a while something guides me to an area um, the Nomai have a whole thing going on, uh, where they're talking about the other planet. So you might go to the other planet because you know, something from the Nomai is there, but you don't really know what it is. So I'm just walking around looking for Nomai like things. Let, uh, and let's talk and about the Nomai and their story. Like one of the things that I really liked about this game is the sort of nonlinear way that it tells the story of the Nomai people. And I don't want to spoil anything. We we're going to talk about the specifics of that in our sort of extra spoiler break. Um, but like, I really liked how there, there are characters there, you know, some of the Nomai are, are characters with names that you learn about their stories and their relationships with each other. And, you know, you learn about like what they were working on and like what they were trying to achieve when, you know, in your tiny solar system. And part of that is from their writing system, which is really interesting. No, there's no document in this game that has a single author. Um, every, every piece of writing is like a curly cue that could have multiple branches uh, coming off of it. And one of the pieces of equipment that you have that no previous astronaut has had is a translator. So you're unable to unlock all the secrets of the Nomai in ways that that no previous astronaut was. You're able to read their writing and see them essentially replying in multi-threaded email threads 
uh, to each other in these bits of writing that like will appear on their walls and things like that. And that's how you learn most of what you learn in the game, I would say. Yeah. Nate, um, because you haven't finished the game, maybe you're in a better spot to talk about what you discovered about the Nomai that, you know, like, I, I don't want to just like say like, oh, here's, you know, everything I know about the Nomai. What, uh, what did you think about their story and like, where are you at with it? Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I am, I will say that I'm still having a hard time completely articulating what I believe is going on with the Nomai. That's fine. Um, but they are the, the biggest question that I still have is like, why are they gone? Because so much of their stuff is still here. Right. And there still seems to be a lot of like functioning technology or recently functioning technology. So it, it, the thing that stands out to me is it seems like, yes, they're all gone, but it wasn't that long ago that they were here. So the the um, hearth, the timber hearth people treated as like an ancient civilization. And I'm starting to think like, no, they're they're either still here somewhere or they are very recently deceased uh, from this solar system. So that's one thing uh, there's it's a like definitely a scientific uh, people that are very much about the exploration of the different planets and messing around with the elements on each planet. I guess that's all I have. It's kind of hard to articulate yet about like why they came to the solar system or why they, why they were still there or anything like that. I don't, I, don't I think, think that's so. the sort of thing that of, Shannon and I should probably talk about in our post spoiler. Yeah. I think it's still on the section. I, yeah, I might have, but it's hard for me to, I, yeah, I know, I know it's still this so whole game. It's meal. so many floating pieces. Yeah. You know, I might I might have that, but I'd have to like go back and look at the rumor thing and try to and piece it together. It's but complicated. No, I don't there were any... a lot of things that I didn't really piece together until like the last, say, like, well, you know, a couple of hours of the game when things really started to kind of come together and make. Yeah, I think I'm at this like weird, almost like 65 percent into the game sort of thing where I've got a lot of the puzzle pieces. I just haven't clicked them all together. You know what I mean? It's like, I feel like I've got the, uh, for the puzzle, I've got the frame built and I'm just still starting to put all the pieces in it together. Mm -hmm. Cause I've been to every planet. I've learned a whole lot of things from every planet, but there's still something that I'm missing that like ties it all together. Yeah. Uh, you will need to go to each planet usually several times. Um, some of them more than others in order to kind of unlock all of their secrets. And very often you'll learn something on one planet that sort of clues you in on something on another planet and makes it worth visiting again to explore something that you didn't get to see before. Um, do we want to talk about anything specific that we saw on any of the planets? Uh, anything that we thought was cool that we think um, is a spoiler, but maybe not like a true end game spoiler we could talk about? Well, I'll, I'll tell you one discovery that I had that I thought was pretty cool is again on Giant's Deep, uh, where there's these storms that if you get caught in it, you just get flung into the sky and you either hope you either land in the water or you can sort of jetpack yourself carefully down. Otherwise, you will just plummet to the earth and fall uh, or plummet to the ground and die. Uh, and there's a island uh, that you can go to. There's a number of islands, but I, on one of the islands, there's a platform that has, it looks like a tornado. It's like a blue glowing tornado on this little platform. It's a circle. It's glowing blue. I was like, well, that's really interesting. And I thought, I wonder if that has some, if I'm standing on it when a storm comes by, you know, will it do something? Cause it looks like a storm. 
So I just, I inevitably one will come on. It will hit where you're standing. Uh, we'll hit the Island. So I stood on the little blue platform storm came suddenly you're the whole thing lights up and you're in like a blue tube and you are unaffected by the storm. It passes right over you and you can just stand on that platform. And then the storm goes by and you can remain safely on the planet. You know, I just thought that was like really, really cool. You could probably, I'm assuming there's an actual use for it uh, for moving the story forward. But just like that discovery of like the, I bet this will do something. And then it does, it protects you. And then you could be like, well, that would make sense. If the Nomai were here, they would want technology to protect themselves when the storm comes over. So you, they built it so they could stay on the planet more safely. Uh, I just thought that was like a really cool little, you know, little mystery. What is the saying? Oh, it protects you. That's great. Oh, it has a, like a logical reason to be there. That's cool too. It's done. I, I really, um, I, every planet has something really cool about it. But one of the like most wild discoveries I made in the very early game was Brittle Hollow uh, is uh, exactly what it sounds like. It's a planet that is brittle and is hollow. And at the center of this planet is a black hole. And uh, it's a tiny black hole. Um, but like the game does a really good job of making that black hole look weird, right? Every time you look at it, you get that sort of like uh, light is sliding off of it kind of look that makes it just like incredibly um difficult to look at. It's like a black dot, but all the light around it is bending in odd ways. And it's got incredible gravity, which means that if you are trying to navigate around inside of Brittle Hollow, uh, which is basically a shell around the black hole with sort of stuff hanging down the inside edge of this shell, um, it's very, very difficult to navigate in there without falling through the hole. So of course, the very first thing I did was fall through the hole and pop, you come out of a white hole, which is on the other end of the solar system. Um, and a realization, uh, that I had, I think I needed to be clued in by, uh, by Shane about one part of this was that, uh, that that's really interesting because, you know, brittle hollow is falling apart over the course of the game. And that means that some of the parts of that planet that are these like structures that you clearly want to get to, but that are partly inaccessible, one of the easiest ways to get to them is to just wait for them to fall through the black hole and fly up to them in the white hole. So this thing that was part of a planet is now, and had gravity, is now just hanging in space on the other side of the solar system after it falls through the black hole. And that was such a like brain explosion moment. I was like, oh man, that thing that I couldn't get to before, now I can just fly up to it. I loved that. There's all sorts of little like cool moments like that in this game. Yeah. Ah. There was also with Dark Bramble, the weird like looping element oh, of Dark Bramble. Sure. And like I fell into Dark Bramble enough times that I came back out the other side, I guess. But I was just in my jetpack. So I was just, well, great. I'm just out. <laughs> now I'm just out in space. Dark Bramble has floated away from me. And I'm just going to run out of oxygen and die and try to do that all again, but not fall into that hole. Uh, <laughs> yep. Also, just real quick, too, on that on that note, another tiny detail that I loved and also was terrified by is that did you notice that if you die by running out of oxygen, when you wake up on your next run, you gasp for breath a lot more <laughs> than you do on a normal death? I didn't notice that. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. You wake up normally. You're just like, huh? But when you wake up after having died by not being able to breathe anymore, you're like, <gasps> you know, it's it's really uh, <laughs> that's awesome. It's a great detail. So I guess 
I guess that's all we can really talk about without getting into like true like puzzle solutions and late game content and story spoilers and so on that I really do want to talk about with you, Shane, but I know Nate, you haven't finished and you want to uh, dive back in and find this stuff out for yourself. So probably a good time for us to, uh, to call that second spoiler break. Um, before we do, listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. You can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net or on Twitter at underscore short game or on Patreon. Please support the show if you like it. Uh, and every one of our patrons gets an invite to our Discord where we talk about all the details. If you are stuck in this game and you want somebody to give you gentle but useful hints, uh, Shane is very good at that. He helped me with a couple of things, uh, or I'd be happy to do my best as well. And if you're on our Discord, we'll have that conversation going for a while. Uh, so you can join us there if you go to patreon.com slash the short game and support us at any level. We, every little bit helps, and we appreciate every one of you who joins us there. Uh, and of course, we enjoy talking to you guys on the Discord as well. Um, if you... Uh, Want to find me on the internet? You can also find me at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Nate, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Nate S-T-L. And Shane, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at 8BitShane. And here is your second spoiler break for this episode. All right. And Nate has taken out his headphones, so we are good. Shane, in this post post spoiler section uh you know listeners if you're sticking with us then that either means you have absolutely no interest in playing the game what is wrong with you or you've already played it and so we're all in good company here and we're going to be talking about the deep deep spoilers and making you know comparing notes uh, on what we discovered um do we want to talk uh first about the nomai do we want to talk first about the ending or where do you want to go first uh, let's start just by talking about, um, coolest planets once you land. Oh, dude. So, I mean, the one that took me the longest to, to figure out, but that was ultimately coolest was probably the, um, the Ash Twins and Ember Twin. But it, a lot of the stuff that's cool there is really hidden. I wound up really, really liking, um, uh, Giant's Deep. Mm. There's just a lot going on on Giant's Deep. And it is very cool to explore. Uh, it's got my favorite of the lost astronauts. Um, yeah, there's a lot of fun to be had on that. Yeah. One. Oh, I like that dude a lot. And I, I also really like that um, uh, he teaches you the meditate option, which adds an option to your menu that basically lets you reboot a uh, uh, a uh, like a run at any point. Um, I, I kind of wish that had just been there from the beginning, but it was really nice that that option was there afterwards. Um for me, probably my my favorite uh, thing to discover was the quantum moon, because it took so long oh. to figure out. So, um, I, what a what a great puzzle the quantum moon is! Such a cool puzzle. I mean, you, it, let me talk about that for just a minute. Okay, so the Nomai landed on a couple of different places in the in the solar system, and so if you're if you're trying to dig up any information from them you're pretty quickly going to find out that both of their civilizations both noticed this moon, this wandering moon uh, that sometimes appears above some of the planets and sometimes doesn't. And it, they, you know, you start reading from their um, observation of this, of this moon that it's sensitive to whether or not it's being observed in, in that, like it's a, like, uh, like in quantum mechanics, the idea of, uh, something being observed or not. So 
you can find this moon just by like looking around the solar system and it might be orbiting any one of the different planets. And then you can start trying to fly towards it. And as you start um, flying in, you start going through some clouds and actually you lose sight of the planet as you get into the clouds and suddenly the moon is gone. It's gone somewhere else. So cool. And so the Nomai found this to be incredibly interesting and they built what almost seemed like a, a small religion around it. They're, they're very scientifically oriented, but but they they created like a uh, pilgrimage system um, that was entirely about exploring and learning the secrets of the quantum moon. And so you're able to follow their pathway to explore the quantum moon. And the things that you have to learn to do that, I don't want to spoil, but they're really interesting and they'll take you to some of the coolest places in the game. I am really a huge fan of video games that play with your perception. This works really well in like horror games where like the monster's behind you or, you know, um, you know, you're in a, we, we played control mm -hmm. recently and there's places in that where, you know, you turn around and you look back and the room has changed in some way. Right. Um, I love that kind of thing. Cause it's something you really only can see, um, can experience in a video game. Cause it's, you know, not really possible, but it's also something that's really, um, super fun, you know, like mm -hmm. it, it, it really, it leads to some, and here it leads to really cool puzzle elements in horror games. It's really effective for horror. And here it's really effective for puzzles. Uh, what, how, how did you solve the, the secret of the quantum moon, Reagan? Or do you want, we don't want to talk about solutions. Well, I but think we're, we're in it. our very post spoiler section. We can probably talk somewhat about it. So, um, the, uh, the, the first hint is that even on, uh, on your home planet, there's a place where you can find these rocks that move if you're not looking at them. Um, you know, there, there's one of them in the, uh, Harthian sort of museum, uh, where they have all the details about the solar system that they've brought back from the other planets. And, um, you know, they have one of these rocks that when you're not looking at it, it moves. What's the deal with that? Um, and, you know, it, it obviously sort of ties into the idea of like, you know, in, in, you know, quantum theory about like, um, uh, quantum particles potentially being in multiple states and then collapsing into a single state when they're observed, which is this very weird idea that doesn't make sense at a macro scale. But in this universe, uh, there are objects that operate under sort of quantum mechanics, uh, when, you know, at, at macro scale. And, um, you know, it took me a while to figure this out. Um, I, I figured out like you do need those sort of three different secrets in order to get everything that you need to know for the quantum moon. But um, I found out enough to land there pretty quickly. I thought to myself, okay, this thing keeps moving whenever I look away from it. I spent a long time trying to do things like, like there's a place where there's a locator um, that will point to where the quantum moon is. And it's basically just sort of like a big circle on the ground with a bunch of symbols for all the other planets. And there's a little thing that says like, here's the quantum moon. It's on that planet. Um, and I spent a long time trying to figure out how to just fly there from that. But the problem, of course, is that if you get into your spaceship, you almost always lose sight of the moon um, when you do that. And then it it will have moved by the time you are in your spaceship ready to fly towards it. So I spent a long time trying to figure that out. Um, and in my frustration, I thought, what if I just shot a, uh, a thing at the quantum moon, one of the little scouts? And I figured out uh, kind of by accident that if I had a picture of the quantum moon on screen, that was just as good as looking at the quantum moon. It wouldn't disappear. So that allowed me to actually land on the quantum moon, but it didn't let me do anything while I was there. I just landed on this horrible 
quantum wasteland. And it took a while to figure out that the terrain of the quantum moon changes depending on what planet it's orbiting, which is very confusing. And then all the objects keep moving around when you're not looking at them, it, that which is also wild. Um, so I just kept hunting for uh, for more information about the quantum moon as I explored the rest of the game. Uh, and every now and then I'd find a little more information and that would let me unlock something else cool. And I will say that the payoff once you finally figure out all the secrets of the quantum moon is enormous. It's one of the coolest, it's probably second to the ending. It's probably the coolest payoff for something that you find in the game. Um, Definitely. I, I don't know if there's anything like all the planets are cool. All the puzzles are cool. Do we want to talk about like the Nomai and their story? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so again, this is probably the key mystery. Like the biggest mystery in the game is learning this story. So uh, if you're still here and you don't, and you want to play the game, you should disconnect. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the thing that I really liked about the Nomai is, um, how much personality you get through their, their journey. Like they, they're out there. There's, you know, this whole Nomai civilization out there in the galaxy and, um, in different tribes living in these different big spaceships. And this one tribe of the Nomai um, detect a signal that is of intense scientific interest to them because the signal appears <clears throat> to be coming from this solar system and it appears to be older than the universe itself, uh, as impossible as that might seem. And they call this the eye of the universe. And so they <clears throat> they're, they're, they, they want to follow the signal as quickly as possible. They don't tell anyone where they're going. They fire up their ship and they teleport. Uh, they launch themselves to this solar system and then they immediately crash into the bramble, um, wrecking their wrecking their vessel and uh, destroying it. By the way, before we get past all of that, I really liked the uh, the the ideas about like Nomai civilization across the universe, like that that you discover. You know, the the Nomai are not just these Nomai. Uh, the Nomai are a, a species of uh, of sort of collectives, each of which has its own vessel, and all of them kind of go around the universe uh, collecting scientific knowledge. And then every few years, they they have a festival where they come together as a species in one place and share everything that they've learned. And this idea of this like, you know, spacefaring science race uh, going around in little like planet ships, I just thought that was such a charming idea. And then the idea that this one troop of Nomai is like, castaways in this tiny solar system and uh you know and even though they are trapped there they're they're spending most of their efforts most of their scientific efforts not on rebuilding their ship to escape this tiny solar system but instead on continuing to try to solve the scientific mystery that brought them there is so nice i i i, I like i really like these people <laughs> these dead goat men i just think they're so great Yes, uh, they, they the the writing for them is actually really good. Um, they have a lot of personality, and they have, you know, um, so it's it's really sad that uh, their ultimate fate. Um, but the uh, so so they've they've come here and they 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 launch these three escape pods from their vessel. One of them doesn't make it out of the dark bramble, um, and one of them makes it to um, the uh, Ember Twin. And the other makes it to Brittle Hollow. And both of those places kind of flourish for a while, I think for like a generation, as these little disconnected independent colonies. And each of them discover 
the quantum moon. Uh, but when they finally reunite, uh, they're able to finally fully discover the secrets of the quantum moon. Um, then all the while, they're still trying to discover, uh, rebuild their civilization a little bit and discover the secret of this, the origin of this um, uh, this signal that they, they see is or older than the universe and they're trying to reach it. Um, and uh, the problem is that like the quantum moon, the origin of the of the signal is moving um, in a quantum fashion. It's hard to hard to find, and they can't truly observe it, so they can't really locate it. And um, they come up with a plan to um, basically uh, launch a. Now, this is the Ash Twin project, mm -hmm. and this is the part where it gets a little bit hard to explain. Um, yeah, I still have a couple they, of questions they, here about some of the details here. Okay, so they created this Ash Twin project that was going to um, allow them to observe or to to kind of find the source of this signal across a lot of different possible locations, or uh, basically infinitely and in a quantum fashion, fire off these probes in, in different places and directions, I, I think is the idea. Oh, wait, yeah, that makes and perfect sense. Yeah, so they 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 can't, they can't, um, they have to observe the eye of the universe in order to stop it from moving. And so, but they can't observe the entirety of the solar system at once. So the Ash Twin project. I think that's right, the idea. I think that makes sense. That, I that, think that's why they're firing. That, so, that, that, that explains so, a, a, a small question that I had about this. So they, they decide to create this time loop, this like infinite time loop. Um, in order to uh, kind of infinitely and randomly fire off these probes um, in every direction at once, right? And so they, they create this machine that is going to, A, um, store knowledge um, across these time loops, and uh, B, um, uh, retrieve data from this probe uh, that's going to be fired off. And that is the Ash Twin project. Yeah, the key to this is that they need to be, you know, they're, they're going, they're essentially going to need to be able to try to send out these probes, uh, you know, potentially an infinite number of times in every direction in order to locate uh, this, this, uh, this thing. Um, but they can't just do them one after another. They'd be waiting forever and they can't, you know, as soon as they find it, it would have mm -hmm. moved. And the time loop itself needs an incredible amount of energy looping time in this way, uh, which they discover kind of through their black holes, requires the energy of an exploding sun. Right, it's not quite a time loop exactly. The, what requires the energy is sending information back in time, um, 22 minutes. And the information that's being sent back in time is the knowledge stored within those statues. So each of the nomai gets paired up with a statue that is constantly recording their thoughts. And then at any point, those statues can, with this incredible power of an exploding sun, send that information back in time 22 minutes. And their thought was, well, if we need all this power to explode the sun, uh, we can still just, you know, we, we, we can just explode the sun and then go back in time 22 minutes before we did that, send off a new probe, uh, wait 22 minutes, explode the sun again, uh, and continue to explode the sun again and again until they find the thing, uh, at which point they can then flee the solar system. Um, but their plan to explode the sun, which was the key part of the plan, didn't work. Everything else was set up. The probe launcher was set up. The uh, the whole works was ready to go. But ultimately, they were unable to explode the sun. Um, 
So the Ash Twin project was a failure, uh, and they were never able to discover the, the location of the eye of the universe. And just as they were thinking, well, maybe we'll try and figure out a different way, a comet swings through their through their solar system. Uh, this is the comet called the Interloper. Uh, and somewhere in it, uh, there is a some kind of container full of this unstable and deadly matter called ghost matter uh, that you can still find in various... It's invisible, uh, but it can kill you if you touch it. Um, and it explodes this deadly substance across the entire solar system, killing every piece, every every life form that's on the surface, uh, leaving the Harthians, who are at this point uh, fish living in caves yeah. uh, deep underground. Um, so the Harthians are the only thing in the solar system that survives. The Nomai are completely eradicated and destroyed, but all of their technology is left exactly as it was. Um, for eons, while the fish people evolve into four-eyed space explorers. Yes, and that's where you come in. Um, and the reason that, that you are in this time loop is that all of this technology for the Nomai to intentionally create, essentially, a time loop um, was there waiting for a power source, the power source of an exploding sun. Well, turns out today's the day your sun is exploding uh, for completely natural reasons, which was a sad surprise to me because I thought, well, I thought I was going to be able to stop the sun from exploding. No, you can't. And so uh, the sun explodes for its completely natural you reasons. You can't explode the sun on purpose and you can't stop it from exploding on its own. Yep. Um, and that's why you're stuck in this time loop. You have the final 22 minutes of your solar system's existence to... This is one of the last things that I discovered, uh, by the way, which is part of... part of. We're getting kind of into the ending. Yeah. The stuff that you learn around the ending. The ending is, I thought, really beautiful and sad and also just really cool. Um, so, yeah, you're, uh, you're, you're doing the last thing that anyone in your solar system will ever do, right? Because you are, you know, this is it. This is the end. Uh, there's nothing that can stop the sun from exploding. Um, and, uh, but what you can do is carry out the sort of last wish of the Nomai people and find the eye of the universe. And, um, and what I think is really interesting about the idea of the eye of the universe is that it is this massive planet that is leftover presumably from the last universe or something like that but it operates on like the quantum moon which is a fragment of the eye of the universe it operates on a quantum basis which means that it just needs a an a conscious observer to like it has a it has no quantum shape right it is it is formless in a, in the way that quantum things are until it's observed in which case it falls into order and um, so you'll be the first conscious being to observe the moon, um, or excuse me, the, the eye of the universe. Um, and that is, I guess, sort of meant as sort of like, well, this is how the universe ends and is reborn, is that like this, this is, uh, you know, so um, finding the eye of the universe was really, really interesting. You have to um, find the vessel that the Nomai came to the solar system in. You then have to find a core to power it. You have to go get that core, which comes from the Ash Twin project where your memories are being stored. And uh, that means... Oh, you also need to get the uh, coordinates that were discovered by the probe right. uh, from the probe tracking module, uh, which has tumbled into the core of Giant's Deep, which yeah. is its own enormous challenge. 
Yeah. So in order to, to finish this whole, I guess, uh, you know, cycle and end the game, you have to have discovered a lot of very important secrets. Now, importantly, you don't have to have discovered everything in the game, which is an interesting way that this works is like, you know, that there's no, you know, that you don't have to like reach a hundred percent completion on like knowing all of the things mm -hmm. or whatever, but yeah, in particular, you have to have found the advanced warp core, which is in the high energy lab, I believe of the Ash twin project. Uh, you have to discover the vessel in the dark bramble, and you have to have the coordinates from the probe tracking module. Yeah, and I would say then it's not in the high energy lab. To, the the advanced warp core is powering the um, the sort of masks or whatever in the Ash Twin core. So it's not in the high energy lab. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to get the uh, you have to get the ad advanced warp core from the Ash Twin project and take it to the vessel, um, and then you can at, in the vessel you can input the coordinates that you found for the Eye of the Universe. Um, once there, um, the supernova that consumes the solar system will not reach you. But once there, um, you enter one of the most interesting sequences I've ever played in a game, especially the ending of a game. Um, you're able to kind of exit the vessel into this kind of dark, um, crackling with energy, like purple space. Um, and you know, you, you kind of go down into this, um, crater uh which was the origin point of the quantum moon is like it's splat it's it it uh split off from the uh from the eye of the universe and then you you fall down through this infinite vortex where you see some really incredible sights of like you know you're falling through a uh like a, a giant empty space swirling with energy and and storms of i don't know what purple stuff um until you finally reach the ground. And at that point, uh, you, you're basically, um, in doing these various tasks that kind of, um, take you back through some of the things you've learned in the game. They're kind of a lot of them related to the quantum rules that you learned around the, the mystery of the quantum moon, which we haven't really even talked about, but I'll, I'll leave that for, for another time, I guess, or, yeah, or for you I, guys I, to play I guess what's out. important about this, but, uh, this is that like, you're, um, so it's very 2001 A Space Odyssey, at least as I'm, far as I'm concerned, this, this final ending. Yes, it is. Um, because it's like the idea is that like you know, you're, you're seeing these surreal things, but there's a reason for thing this sort of surreal environment, which is that like you're now in a place where with like this sort of infinite quantum possibility and by observing it, you're somehow like reshaping the space around you to sort of match your wants or expectations or what have you. And you know, you, you can see that this is the end of the universe, that the entire universe is coming to an end. You know, the, the Nomai had been talking in some of their writings about how the lights were going out in the universe, stars were going out all around them and, you know, things were yeah, winding actually, down. Actually, that's something I, I, when they mentioned, once they mentioned that you, you could look up in any of the night sky and, and see that various stars all around the universe in the night sky are exploding and, and supernovaing. So it's not just your sun. It's most of the universe. Like this is the, this is the the end of the actual universe. Yeah, and so you know you know this is happening around the entire universe. But being that you now sort of are in the driver's seat of the like origin point of the universe, you are the one to set the new universe in motion, and you do that by gathering around a campfire with your friends. Yeah, get get the band back together. And so so those various different astronauts that you went around and meet and met, like 
Feldspar and Ryback and Gabbro and uh, Esker and Chert. And then if you've met her on the quantum moon, uh, Selenium, the 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 last living uh, Nomai is there as well. And um, once you've kind of gathered all of these people that you've met together, um, uh, this sort of blue ball that looks like the quantum moon, but is kind of flashing with different imagery. Uh, again, this is all very... Um, uh, surreal and, and really cool um, kind of appears in the smoke of the campfire and then you kind of launch yourself into it uh, and when you do that uh, that's when it rolls the credits and there's a little picture at the end of the credits where you see the start of new life uh, in I guess the new universe and there's like some some bug people that are that are pulling themselves up to to look at the stars and uh, I don't know it's really cool it was it was it was the, the thing that it manages really well is um, it really lets you spend time in this ending. Like, mm-hmm. it's not just, like, over quickly. It's the first time where there's, there's a no long countdown clock, essentially. Yes. And, um, and it takes you back through a lot of the things that you learned. Like, for example, it takes you back through like another version of the museum and one part of it where, mm-hmm. where you learn and, and, and reminds you of, okay, these are the things that you learned. And it, it has, it's almost like a little eulogy for your little universe that you're in. And uh, it's a little saying goodbye to all of these things. And it's, it's sad because you've realized, like, you can't actually save the universe. Which, for most of the game, or you, you think, okay, I'm going to try and save my planet. I'm going to try and save my solar system by stopping the, the end. Uh, stopping this explosion and then it's this process of coming to terms with like mortality and the fact that you can't and the fact that everything ends yeah. and that's what really made it wonderful for me because it's it's very poignant and it also plays out in such a way that um it, it takes you back and reminds you of everything you liked about this little solar system and world that you've explored. And, and so I thought it was really beautiful and, and unique. And, uh, I really hope a lot of the people out there get a chance to actually complete this game. It it is, it is a really poignant ending. And I found myself kind of like misting up at the end, you know, because it's this, this little, you know, astronaut that could from a tiny planet that, that, you know, was, had no chance, you know, these, these things crawled out of the, out of the, you know, primordial goo just in time to see the universe end, right? What a, what a tragedy that these, these beautiful people never had a chance. And yet he, they, they get to be there for the beginning of the next, you know, the, the next cycle. And I just thought it was like a really, a really beautiful ending. And, um, I can't recommend it enough. I, I, I hope, uh, I mean, you know, hopefully if you're listening at this point, you're, you're already, you're already, uh, on my side here, but I just, I, this, this sprung to my game of the year list, um, so fast. Like, I, I don't know where this is going to be on my 2019 game of the year list, but it's certainly going to be up there. So, uh, anyway, wow. Um, any, any last thoughts on this game? 
Not really. Only that I think, um, I hope you listeners understand why we made a little bit of extra time for it. Um, you know, we get to decide what shows, uh, what games appear on our show. Mm. Uh, there are no podcast police. Um, we will often say that we are looking for games that respect your time. And often that means we are, and, and often for us, that means we're looking for games that are under 10 hours, but, uh, it doesn't always mean that. Um, and this is a little bit of a bend. If we in the future want to cover more long games, uh, we'd love to know how you feel about that. Uh, this is not long by most people's definition being about 15 hours, but it's not quite up to our standard. Um, I definitely felt like it respected my time. So if you guys have opinions on the sort of thing that you would like to hear us cover, is there a game that is a little longer than our normal, um, our normal, uh, requirements that we're missing out on? Is there an experience that we really should spend that extra five to 10 hours with? Uh, let us know, uh, ideally on our discord or you can find us on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, uh, this we're getting very close to the end of the year here. We're going to be putting together our game of the year lists. Um, you know, we we've only played what we've played. Uh, I am uh, looking forward to hearing what everybody uh, puts on their game of the year lists. I want to hear what yours are. So, if you have short game or long game game of the year lists, uh, share them with us. And uh, you know, I might scramble and play one or two extra games before the end of the year. Uh, but even if I don't, I like to spend the first couple of months of the new year catching up on everything that everybody played in the previous year that uh, that I didn't get a chance to. So um, let us know what's on your lists and uh, thank you for listening to The Short Game in 2019.